0: Welcome to this week's episode of Whiskey and Mash. Welcome back to Whiskey and Mash. I am Chris Pullman.
1: And I am Gloria Ackerman. And
0: this week, uh, we're doing this a little different uh, this week and next week because we have reached the famous episodes Comrades in Arms. So we're actually taking Season 6, Episode 11, The Grim Reaper, and Season 6, Episode 14, The Merchant of Korea, this week, so that we can do both parts of Comrades in Arms together next week. So we're starting off with Episode Six Or pardon me. Season six. Thank you.
1: Episode 11, the Grim Reaper. I just wanted to say the, it because it's fun to say
0: That one, yes. The Grim Reaper. <laughs> there you go. Take <laughs> Let, it away.
1: Begin right away. Yeah. And it starts off in Colonel Potter's office. And the Grim Reaper, who is Colonel Bloodworth, is giving details and stats. But that's his job. What did you say?
0: He's an actuary.
1: An actuary, yes. Yeah. So that's what his... Ho- his whole job is to count. You know, okay. I, I predict this is how many people we're going to lose. This is how many people we're going to that are going to be in surgery. But Hawkeye does not like it. Does not like the guy. Does not like his job, and lets him know it. And the guy's very much offended by Hawkeye. So that's the basic plot, a pot Plot. The second um, plot is Charles receives a picnic basket from his family, full of foie gras, and um, beluga caviar, and tur- uh, truffles, smoked mm-hmm. oysters, pheasant, and... Um, canned pheasant. Can- was it canned? It, it was it canned. Like canned. No, yeah, it was canned it was m- pheasant. looked actually good, mm-hmm. but he gave... Well, we'll talk about the details later. Yeah. So what, what he does with that, and what happens with Colonel Bloodworth, and that's basically the the two main plots... Yeah. you think of another one no that's it no no two you know an a and a b like we usually have yeah um i just like the title of it the grim reaper mm-hmm. and it, you stated such a great thing that that's his job but the whole time you're watching it you can't yeah. help but not like him because he walks around giving these okay we have we're gonna have will there's gonna be 280 to 290 casualties um and for hill 403 and Mm -hmm. you know i can see where that would if i'm the surgeon
0: yeah where it's just can't you do
1: something to prevent that if you know that's what's what's coming in the future Mm -hmm. what can you do to stop it these are real bodies these are humans they're not just numbers or little, um you know tallies on a sheet Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. it's his job Mm -hmm.
0: yeah that's I haven't watched this episode since, um, I don't believe I've watched it since I've gone through all my training with math. So Ah. at this point, after all that, to rewatch this episode and realize all he's doing is statistical analysis, he's putting things into an equation and figuring out this is approximately what we should expect. And you know, that even comes into play here where he says 280 to 290 casualties, assuming the weather holds.
1: What happens if the weather doesn't hold?
0: Add another 20.
1: Yeah, so, you know, during surgery, they're even talking about that. Good thing it's a sunny day.
0: Yeah, but, you know, it just, it's true. You can predict, as long as you have the right information, you can predict things to a very point level of accuracy and that's all he's doing is
1: and you think the doctors would not appreciate it because you hate you know he is treating it like it's not bodies. yeah it and he will learn that later on but mm-hmm. you would think it's nice to know okay we have a lot of people coming in mm-hmm. you know coming up yeah okay this week maybe we're not going to take a hill and it's nice to know that we don't have a lot coming yeah. in you know so and, As the doctors, you think they would appreciate the information to know what your workload's going to be.
0: Yeah, and, you know, there are episodes where all of a sudden they'll get a big shipment. It's like, what's in there? Gauze, surgical silk, bandages. Oh, and you know what comes with that? Casualty. Casualty. So I'm sure that that's part of it, is they need to know about how many people... They can expect to lose, so that they know how many troops they're going to need for reinforcements. Right. What sort of medical supplies they're going to need where.
1: And if you estimate incorrectly, you could have a bloody slaughter on your hands. Yeah. Like, you need to know how many people to send against their people. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, and and it's really unfortunate that that is a numbers game, but like, are we going to be able to take this hill? Well, we're going to expect 100% casualties. Then it's not worth it. Then it's
1: not worth it. Right.
0: You know, so it's... Unnecessary evil for what they're doing. Plus, you
1: need to give stats back home. You need to give stats to the president. To the yeah. we all need to know. Well, yeah. not need to. We all, you know, like to know what's happening in the war back home. The wives are watching this and saying, you know, mm, yeah, you know,
0: definitely for Vietnam, maybe for Korea, but yeah, at the very least, the military brass would need to know how to divert munitions and material in order to meet demand from an action.
1: I like the way you said "material." <laughs> yeah,
0: well, that's how they say it. Um, so it, like, I, I kind of feel bad for Bloodworth because he really is just doing his job. I really empathized with him.
1: But I wouldn't have if he wouldn't have said that. Yeah. It and made me rethink my position on him.
0: Mm-hmm. And he is meant to look like the bad guy in this episode. And, you know, without my ties to math and to statistics... I wouldn't have looked at it that way either. I know I haven't in the past, but it humanized Bloodworth for me to realize, well, first of all, he's a colonel, so he's probably not doing all this crunching himself. He probably has other statisticians underneath him who are doing the crunching, and then he's just kind of going out reporting it, but still, you know. And
1: Colonel Potter, if it were just him and Colonel Potter, it would have been, here's my report. You know, but you know Hawkeye, he has to put his input on everything, uh, which, as we'll find out later, mm-hmm. he jokes about everything, yeah. whether it's serious or...
0: Yeah. I don't appreciate your snide remarks, Captain. I don't appreciate your insensitivity, Colonel.
1: So, you know, later on, well, should we just go right to order? Yeah. yeah. They're in a bar, and... The O Club. the Yeah, the Officers Club. And mm-hmm. BJ is thrilled because the numbers came in way under what Colonel Bloodworth said. So he's like, I'm going in and I'm going to say something to him. Ha ha, your numbers okay. weren't. What did I say? BJ. Oh, sorry. Mm-hmm. Okay. I like to blame the whiskey for that when I. Oh. <laughs> but it's really my yeah. breaking. Okay. Anyway, he went specifically, didn't even finish washing up. Mm-hmm. He thought, I'm making a point. To mm-hmm. Colonel Bloodworth, his numbers are not correct. Goes mm-hmm. in very smirky and very cocky mm-hmm. and says, your numbers were off. You were off by 77.
0: Yeah, 77 men refused to die, um, or refused to get hit, rather.
1: But then a sad thing happened, and it called them back into OR because mm-hmm. they weren't finished with the hill.
0: Yeah. You know, it. Uh, I don't know if it was mentioned in the episode, but it makes sense that there was the attack... And then, and then the inevitable counterattack. And, you know, if you think about an entrenched position, attacking that, you're going to incur more casualties. Okay, well, if we were expecting 280 casualties, if roughly 70 uh, failed to get hit, in Hawkeye's words, that means 210 did. So, in the counterattack where the U.S. forces would have been entrenched at that point. Or would have had at least more defensible positions. A third of the original casualties probably sounds reasonable to me. Sounds. I mean, with absolutely no military background for that, it's like, okay, you're in a more defensible position, the enemy is weakened.
1: And it surprised me that um, Hawkeye got so cocky knowing that more were coming in i mean he had to know because this is what he does but yeah i think he just wanted to quick get his point in before maybe the next (laughs) round
0: yeah yeah i I think he probably just didn't think of the counterattack or you know whatever
1: he just wanted the guy to feel Mm -hmm. which he's going to
0: yeah because then after that session well first of all he pushes bloodworth in the oak club and uh bloodworth decides to press charges
1: was it a hit? I, I can't, it was a push. It,
0: you think he, it was a push? I, oh, it was on film.
1: He yeah, pushed him I into know, the wall. but I thought it was kind of a hit too. No, like the way he it just was pushed a push. him. I okay. mean,
0: Hawkeye says, "I pushed him into the wall." The wall hit him. I pushed him. <laughs>
1: I pushed him.
0: And then you know Colonel Potter afterwards says he shouldn't have pushed you. He should have decked you. <laughs> but um, you know, then Bloodworth, after filing the charges with Potter, uh, decides to go up to Hill Four Hundred Three and inspect. And I'm sure to just kind of see if their equations could be improved at all, like were the conditions as we expected. Is there any way to alter our parameters so that we can get closer next time or whatever. But what happens to him?
1: He actually gets hit.
0: Because there was another attack on hill 403 while he was there.
1: And this time he was one of the people that got hurt and actually had to wait because he wasn't hurt bad enough Mm -hmm. where he was one of the first ones. So he had to kind of lay back there as he was suffering and watch.
0: Yeah. And that was um, something like Colonel Potter said to him because he came in on on the bus. uh, Potter said to Bloodworth, this is one time Colonel where it's a good thing to be at the back of the line.
1: Because that means you're not hurt as bad. Yeah. Doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. Uh,
0: yeah. You, you just know. get you just get uh, funny drugs like mm-hmm. morphine to help you. Ouch,
1: but oh no. Uh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, you know afterward.
1: And then they even said the grim re- uh, or did he say to ho- someone said the grim grim week week. Come on, Gloria. The grim reaper is on the list.
0: Yeah. So I'm sure it was Hawkeye at some point. Missed. And you know, one scene that they showed where uh, Bloodworth finally got into OR, Charles was operating on him, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. yeah. Um, I just checked because of the B plot. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, but Charles was operating on him. They were getting him ready, and Hawkeye was operating on someone, and he picked up a piece of shrapnel and then uh. Hit an artery. Well, yeah. He, you know, even said. I thought it was just sitting on the artery, but Old Faithful there tells me that it actually perforated.
1: It actually made me a little squeamish the yeah, way it happened. It, like it shot up, like Old Faithful, it shot yeah. blood up, and, and just the way it was, like right into his mask, and right. Like mm,
0: yeah, there were a couple of streaks up his gown, up onto his forehead. Um, and, and Bloodworth it, it saw very this. Realistic. Yeah, Bloodworth saw this. Um. And then they put him under. But then afterward...
1: Uh... He was going and doing his rounds with a nurse.
0: Yeah. Well... Uh... <laughs>
1: what?
0: I, I'm sorry. Hawkeye was doing his rounds on the patients. Um, uh, well, I just with feel the nurse. Like...
1: <laughs> I, he yes. was with the nurse because just... they were talking and she would say, Doctor... I, I just
0: feel like, <laughs> like clarifying because Hawkeye does do rounds with the <laughs> nurses. <laughs> okay. But he was this doing his rounds, doing rounds with the patients in post-op, checking him. on them, and there was a nurse present.
1: Okay, okay. But then
0: Bloodworth <laughs> called him over. I'm a dude. I'm sorry. That's where my <laughs> mind went. Um, and just wanted to chat with Hawkeye and, you know.
1: And he said to him, I'm used to screaming, Um. D- used to a lot of screaming but it's never coming from me mm-hmm. so he could always hear the screams in the background but never yeah. felt them so in this time he felt them he kind of was letting Hawkeye know mm. you why know, I'm sorry yeah
0: you know he said in the bus on the way here the guy across from me I heard his death rattle I thought I was next
1: I heard that rattle already that's a true thing
0: mm-hmm. I'm sure and just, you know, a pushing in the officer's club just doesn't compare to that, Captain. I'm dropping the charges.
1: So, uh, yeah. yeah. Good then, episode.
0: Yeah. Potter tried to, uh, he came in after that, and he, he thought he got Bloodworth <laughs> to drop the charges, but it's like, no. Hawkeye and his performance did. Uh, the B story, though, that we didn't talk about yet. Um, Charles and his picnic basket. Um, there, there is a crossover moment between the two plots, which is neat, but, uh, this first, Charles gets his basket, B.J. and Hawkeye come in, uh, from the briefing with Bloodworth, and Charles has this all, like, laid out in front of him, and asks them to open, what was it, pate um, de foie gras, or what did he the ask caviar, I The caviar, The caviar?
1: I thought it was the caviar, because then you okay. put a little bit on... Oh well, no, it wasn't.
0: Because I thought he gave, he them, gave them liver pate, paste. Yeah. yeah, pate de foie pate. gras. Yes,
1: you're liver right.
0: paste on a cracker. Ample reward for opening a jar.
1: He gave him just like one cracker. Yeah. And then said that's enough.
0: Yeah. Oh, you're <laughs> not going to share with your bunkies, gentlemen. Mm-hmm. Your palate is obviously more suited to spam on a shingle, such as you will find <laughs> at the mess tent.
1: Which is funny because then he goes in by margaret yeah why just because she's a woman she yes. has a better palate because she clearly did not
0: no well and I, <laughs> a little poem that i like look up
1: yeah, when well you know yeah. here's charles trying to be all elegant they set the table they mm. did everything and he's Wine. thinking that he's you know eating with a better person than hawkeye and bj and yeah. go ahead she had a little
0: i i don't know if i remember it all correct me if i but it's like Look out, tummy! Look out, gums! Look out, liver! Here, Here it comes! comes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and uh, Charles just looks at her a, a little, I think, taken aback.
1: Like, like I thought it was gonna be classy.
0: Yeah, nope.
1: <laughs>
0: she's and an she didn't
1: know because she's not used to eating this food. So no. as she's eating the, um, what was pheasant. It pheasant? She's like, "Is it supposed to taste like this?" Because I don't know if I like it. And he's like, "It's gamey. Well, it's gamey. It
0: is a gamey bed.
1: Right, so you need to...
0: This is how it is supposed to taste.
1: And she was kind of eating it with this look on her face like, this is a little bit nasty, but okay, I want to be classy, so I'm going to eat it.
0: But yeah, then Bloodworth's uh, initial attack surge of wounded come in. And so they have to stop. They go into OR, and we see Charles and Margaret operating on the same person. and Neither were looking well. Why do you look as white as your mask?
1: It's not the (laughs) pheasant.
0: Whoever heard of eating a bird out of a can? (laughs) And then Charles, like, mid-sentence, just...
1: And he fell over. I thought that was weird. Yeah. Like, who passes out from food poisoning?
0: I I don't know, but, yeah, Margaret was sure she was getting botulism, whatever it was. Charles went down from it and I love the comments between Potter and Hawkeye that go on over top of the table. What happened? Winchester fell on the ground and then uh, Hawkeye makes a comment. Well, that's no... What is it? He can't operate from there. His arms, His arms aren't hair long hair. enough.
1: But yeah. Well, yeah, that was funny. Like very nonchalantly, like yeah. you know, there's blood everywhere, people are dying, and you know, having surgery. Yeah. Well, he can't operate from there. His arms aren't long <laughs> enough. You know, it's
0: yeah.
1: It, it was it, very Hawkeye. Yeah, it
0: was. You know, and Margaret's still sitting there at the table. <laughs> oh,
1: yeah, she got the hiccups, so everyone started to
0: hiccup. Yeah.
1: sorry it was funny
0: because yeah bj then took over and it was like margaret uh clamp clamp (laughs)
1: and then they said um scalpel (laughs) retractor (laughs) and
0: then she scolds him be quiet (laughs) (laughs) but um after that session in or uh in post-op who and and this is somebody that uh I looked at in triage, uh, the soldier had a one
1: oh, yeah. chalked
0: onto his helmet. And what did he say the one was for?
1: Well, the, he said that, his and he was new, like he was, had just come into the war. Yeah. And he walked into the line, and so they marked one, two, and three on their helmets as they went down. And the ones had to go to battle.
0: Yeah, they went right to the front. So
1: off like, the boat in Inchon boat,
0: that morning... And right to the front.
1: Because, I mean, someone made the comment off the boat, and then um, you missed the boat, I think, is what...
0: Well, um, I think Hawkeye said, you're liable to go back home on the same boat.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. how fast it was. Where did
0: the twos and threes go? I don't know. Somewhere Some place safe.
1: Someplace safe. <laughs> Some <place laughs> safe. Yeah. Maybe that was the second crew that came in and the Mm -hmm. third crew you know
0: yeah but yeah he clearly had a one chalked onto the front of his helmet and then in post-op
1: kind of freaked me out a little bit because that's how fast uh, life can happen yeah you can one day be sitting at your dinner table and the next Mm -hmm. day get a one on your hat because you have to go to battle we don't know life is that quick
0: yeah and in post-op Klinger stops to talk to him why because that soldier oh, was, was from, from...
1: Toledo. Yeah. And, and had just eaten... Oh, I didn't even write it down. When was
0: the last time you had a Paco's Hungarian hot dog? Right
1: before I
0: left. Oh, I shipped out two weeks ago, and it was three days before that. I knew it. I could smell it on your breath.
1: <laughs> and you, they had this real cold connection right away. Yeah. Um,
0: you know, they even... I didn't write it down. I should have. But uh, Klinger asked him where he, uh, Danker was from... He responded, and then Klinger, you know, said so where he was from. And Danker said, You got out alive? <laughs> yeah, I learned basic training at the pool hole. Never once did I see a pool stick or a cue stick used on a pool ball.
1: <laughs> but I did get the fashion.
0: Yeah. Klinger
1: oh. was all decked out. Now, normally I don't see Klinger in tight. You know, he's usually in the, you know, Dorothy kind of dress. Yeah. Instead. Well, he wore a. a pink fitted dress mm-hmm. you know the pencil skirt yeah and he had uh pearls mm-hmm. and a really beautiful pink brooch that matched and a hat the whole yeah. works I yeah mean, he, did
0: he have a uh like a an elbow bag or something too
1: mm, didn't write down the bag okay because i thought he was carrying a tray Okay. but he may have had a baby like I, up yeah, higher I yeah. mean he was totally dressed for <laughs> uh, a social
0: event <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, but, not um, OR no um,
1: and not even a gown you know where to save his mm, dress
0: well in OR I think he was dressed a little bit differently I like to think so but anyway like they, so. they bonded and um, then uh, Klinger said I've got to stop talking to you kid well, I'm fine. Yeah, I know. I'm making myself hard homesick. <laughs> Home because uh, Danker asked him, How long have you been here? Long enough for a s- tough street kid to learn to wear a dress? But before he goes, uh, Danker gives Klinger a matchbook from the Trianod. Trianod matchbook. Matches made in heaven. <laughs> Thank you. And um, in one of these, the Trianod... Was uh where is that in here? The Trianon Bowl Room was opened in 1925. It was demolished in 1954 but was still around, though probably in decline at the time Klinger and Danker were discussing it. So it was oh, a real so place. It was
1: a real place.
0: Along with Tony Paco's Cafe. Also mentioned in this episode and others was open in 1932 and still exists.
1: Oh, we should go. We, yeah, right. We should that, go. <laughs> Maybe that's where we can meet you, um, <laughs> <laughs> Benjamin Pierce. <laughs> but <laughs> you know, and do our interview. Uh, Would that be fun? But, or Klinger, let's meet you. Yeah, um, <laughs> Jamie Farr.
0: Jamie Farr. So yeah, it, those places exist, and you know, Klinger took the match book and uh said he would treasure it forever
1: which i'm sure he does
0: yeah uh but then at the end of the episode
1: i like the end
0: after the uh last credits or the last commercial rather what do we come in on
1: well they're all sitting around having a hungarian feast so they're Paco's eating
0: hungarian hot dogs yeah and who's they
1: and so it was Klinger and Hawkeye and B J mm-hmm. and then Winchester walks in. Yeah. And so they asked him to open a can or a jar. A jar of mustard. A jar of mustard. So he opens the jar and they give him a tiny little piece of the hot dog yeah. and says this is what you get because that's what he did to them.
0: Yeah. And Ample the, reward for opening a for jar. Opening
1: a jar. And you know, he's so cocky, and he's like, "Oh, you just look," and he's starting to turn around. They're like, "Ah, oh, just kidding. Come on and join us." But remember, Margaret's coming. Mm-hmm. And what does? Well, yeah, th- they. That's uh, my favorite part.
0: They say, "What? You're not going to save any for Margaret?" Mm-hmm. And he holds up the little piece that <laughs> they they gave him. This is for Margaret. This is
1: for Margaret. So it was kind of <laughs> it was funny because mm-hmm. that's what he did too. B.J. Them. and Hawkeye,
0: yes. Yeah. No, I thought that was...
1: I thought that was adorable. They, yeah. Their writers are just so clever with the little stuff. You know, you have to watch and mm-hmm. and catch on. So, great writing.
0: I agree. Um. Yeah, I, that's really what I have about this episode. Anything else on your part?
1: Yeah, for some reason, I thought Hawkeye hit Bloodworth. I have that in a couple Ooh. spots. And I, and I know he pushed him, and I know that's what the accusation was, but... Uh-huh. Just making sure I yeah. don't have anything. Smoked or oysters, I'm wondering what that is. Aren't oysters those things like in a that you pour down your throat? Yes. So you can have smoked oysters? I never heard sure. of that. I just Why heard not? of oysters. Yeah,
0: well, I, okay. you know, if you just pop them open, then you can just slide them down. But I'm sure if you take...
1: But they said if they're out, open, then they're rotten. You should always only eat the closed ones. Okay. I, I don't Alright, just thought maybe I you were, I mean, know. I know you're very foodie, so I thought yeah, maybe you would uh, know that.
0: Yes, I've also been a vegetarian for the past decade, so. Oh, that's so. true. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm allergic to shellfish. I oh, so, I didn't know that. Yeah, so. Good thing I never fed take, you any. Take, <laughs> take your pick. <laughs> I, I don't know about those, unfortunately. Um, okay. The that's production code was Y110, the writers were Ken Levine and David Isaacs, director was Don Weiss, originally aired... November 29th 1977 I should have done this in my normal order but the guest recurring stars <laughs> Charles Aidman as Colonel Victor Bloodworth Jerry Hauser as Private Danker and Kelly Nakahara uh, had a brief speaking part in post now you guys you and Laura recognized uh, Danker didn't you right
1: yes because if you watch the Brady Bunch and then they had their Brady Bunch um, reunion show where it was Christmas and all the families got together. He was Marsha's husband who lost his job. So, okay. there you go. Just a, a Brady Bunch reference. Yeah. For those of you that.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> there you go. All right. Uh, season 6, episode 14. So, again, we're jumping over uh, Comrades in Arms. We're going to do both parts of that next week. Because it is two parts on the DVD set. I think it aired as one, but it's two parts. So we'll do both of those next week. So we're jumping to episode 14, The Merchant of Korea. Uh, basically, it's payday. Uh, the We have a um, traveling salesman in camp. And several of the people have their eyes on items from his... Uh, Rickshaw. B.J. gets a telegram from Peg, where their um, dream lot, an acre of land, has come up for sale in Mill Valley, overlooking uh, basically San Francisco Bay and the Golden Gate Bridge.
1: Oh my gosh! Can you imagine how much that's worth today? Okay, mm. go ahead. <laughs> and
0: he needs two hundred dollars today to put a down payment on that, and then there is a follow-up. From Tokyo, where half—what uh, is it like? Half of their pay, half of the payroll, gets sent to a bakery unit in Guam, and so basically, uh, SOP is that all the money's pooled, the enlisted men are paid, and then you know the officers are paid whenever the rest of the money comes in. So none of the officers have money. Well, it ends up. In everybody getting their money, or at least the senior staff getting their money back from Charles via a poker game,
1: hmm. and
0: we'll go more into that because it's worth delving into. Um, along the way, Charles loans money to Hawkeye and to BJ, and they basically become his footmen. Two hundred
1: dollar houseboys.
0: Yes, yeah, I think for BJ it was two hundred, for Hawkeye it was only like forty
1: that's the, um, how bj described it i'm a 200 hundred dollar houseboy.
0: yes but that's exactly what bj had become and it wasn't a very obvious way that charles was doing it but it was kind of a pathetic way mm-hmm. like a, you know very emblematic for me is where he's in his pjs in his bunk and hawkeye and bj are going out for lunch and uh charles says i'd love a cup of coffee could you get me some bj and BJ says, do it yourself, you know? work? Well, it's just a little thing. I'll, I'll get it, you just, you go, you go. And then he's like, Aww. he's very slowly and very painfully getting up from his bunk.
1: Which <laughs> he hasn't been in pain for the rest of his, it's yeah, clearly. It,
0: yeah, it just started. It's like, come on. And BJ even says, you know, I have the feeling that I'm your
1: $200 houseboy." <laughs>
0: Oh heavens! It's just a little thing. I'll give it. And
1: when they asked for the money, that was important, I think, to know that they said, "Can you just do this little thing for us?" Yeah. It's just a little thing. So Mm -hmm. that's why he kept saying, "It's just a little
0: thing." I did not catch that. But yeah, you know it. But then, yeah, they win their money back from Charles in a poker game, which is my favorite poker game of the entire series, (laughs) and we'll get to why. Yes so uh what what more specifics from this episode i just want to
1: mention my favorite is yeah. the one with the binoculars oh will we'll see some when we get to it did we get to it yet
0: you mean the one where B.J. is the practical joker, dear Sigmund, that and one? And they
1: looked through the... Where Potter looks
0: through the binoculars, takes him down, and then he has raccoon eyes? Mm-mm,
1: no, no, it's during the game. And oh! They're, they're cheating.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and, no, that was the moose.
1: Oh, yes, that was the moose one.
0: That was the moose yeah. where Radar was was scoping out the sergeant's car. And then they
1: talked in the ears. Yeah, okay. yeah,
0: it was kind of like the... Poker game from Goldeneye from the Bond just love movie Goldeneye. That poker game. Goldeneye? Okay. No, Goldfinger. I'm sorry, Goldfinger.
1: Never seen it, so anyway. Ah, oh, sorry. Didn't mean yeah. to bring up a whole thing. <laughs> uh, what what was your question? <laughs> sorry.
0: It's, do you have any anything specific you wanted to bring up about this episode? Yes,
1: it was really hot. And yeah. everyone was sweating like um, Hawkeye had a fan attached to his foot so as he moved his foot back and forth it would fan him I mean it was yeah. so hot that everyone had like the wet t-shirts under the arms and on their chests and
0: anybody who could was wearing a tank top
1: yeah and shorts everyone had shorts mm-hmm. except Charles who had long sleeves pants mm-hmm. and didn't sweat
0: yeah uh, at one point when Hawkeye and BJ are going out to the mess tent Hawkeye comes into the swamp with this, you know, sweat stained front, picks up a bucket of water, dumps it over himself, and then I don't know why he then changed out of his shirt into a dry one. I don't yes, think just you
1: think they want it to be cool. Yeah,
0: keep the wet one on.
1: Maybe he didn't want a rash.
0: I don't know. But yeah.
1: But was, and Charles just didn't sweat. Yeah, or he said, I don't sweat anyway, yeah. I perspire.
0: Yeah, it it was the requisite 120 degrees outside episode
1: I got hot watching. yeah even well, in, warm. I mean yeah okay.
0: even in surgery they were wearing like shorts and
1: mm-hmm.
0: all of that so um so yeah Margaret one thing we see here is a little conflict between Margaret and Donald even though Donald's not in this episode he's mentioned because Margaret gives her Whole oh sorry go yeah no he gives
1: a, her whole check yeah like and then he gives her thirty dollars a week and she was saying to Colonel Potter it works great for us you know mm-hmm. before this happened yeah. with the money he's like yeah Donald and I have this great system where I give him my whole check and he gives me thirty dollars a week and he's saving for our future well in my mind it was going boop boop,
0: boop <laughs> red
1: flags you know
0: and like I mean they are married that's fine but then we see the issue with this when she doesn't get her pay and needs money and calls donald and says i'm just asking for a week's advance donald and he basically says it's all tied up in wealth it's like no i need 30 dollars i need (laughs) money give me money it is our money give it to me and apparently he won't and so like colonel potter at that point you know says to her maybe maybe hold a little bit back from now on you know yeah uh, um we talked about hawkeye and bj how they borrowed money from charles
1: and they were fed up with it and then they yeah. found out well charles has never really played poker so they thought we well, got us a sucker
0: d- yeah bj comes up with this idea he's only a deck of cards and goes hey hawk how would you feel about playing some cards huh and hawkeye's like i don't have any money to play cards and bj just like elbows him and goes no no Let's play, play cards. cards. Oh! Hey, Charles!
1: Do you want to play cards? <laughs> and they're, they're seeing this big sucker written across <laughs> his forehead yeah. because he's never really played.
0: And he says that, huh? poker, I don't play poker. It now if you had like a, cribbage a cribbage board. Yeah. Uh- <laughs> so then they
1: decided to get everyone involved because let's all win a little bit of Charles' money, which yeah. he was kind of... Floating or, you know, gloating about, you know, well, yeah, I have no at, shortage. At I the have.
0: beginning of the episode when, uh well, Hawkeye asked Charles for money for BJ. Charles says, well, I don't know. I like to have a lot of liquid assets. So he had a lot of cash. I mean, right. he had over $200. And in, 50. And 50. Yeah, yeah. in just cash. You know, just he paid he paid uh and without
1: a bat of the eye which means you know he has more because he's not leaving himself strapped
0: yeah absolutely so yeah
1: so they're just seeing sucker written across his forehead (laughs) and they go around to the camp you know telling colonel potter uh margaret uh clinger yeah um colonel potter had to borrow money so they told he told radar yeah quills uh Father
0: Mulcahy. Father
1: Mulcahy. (laughs) They
0: got him involved.
1: He thought, oh, I'm going to get some money for my orphans. Yeah,
0: and I really liked it when Hawkeye went into Margaret's tent. And, uh, come on, play with, beg and borrow money from your nurses and do yourself and join the game. Why? Why should I? Because it's with Charles. Does he play poker? Not after tonight. (laughs) And she just gets this huge grin on her face and goes, oh. That's dirty. When do we start? start.
1: <laughs> Ten minutes or whatever yeah. he said. It so. was great. And, you know,
0: unfortunately, the, the downside is, so they deal out the first hand. And it apparently was, uh, it wasn't like five card stud because they did take one draw. Right. But tar- Charles took four cards. Four. He, that means he had one of a kind. In his hand, and he took four cards. Um, and you know they bet in, and uh what did what did BJ have? Three kings.
1: And BJ always wins the first hand. They must yeah. have said that a, you know a couple it, times. Yeah, well, and well, then you
0: go. and Charles just laid down his card, huh? except for tonight. A straight.
1: A straight. He picked. He four drew cuts. a
0: straight off of four cards. And it's like, uh-oh.
1: Yeah, and then he won, and he won, and he won, and he won. And then he decided, I'm leaving. Now, I know my dad had explained to me, because my dad was a big poker player, mm. and he said, you never, ever leave the table when you're up. Yeah. It has to be someone else's choice unless you're down. Uh-huh. So, he left the table being up. So, I know that that's not really an accepted thing, but he said, I'm just stretching my legs, I'll be back. mm mm-hmm and they yeah
0: he, he was very prickish about it because he, he said I, i've been doing this hand motion and it was gathering everything <laughs> into him i've been using these same muscles all night i i need to stretch something else and he just gathers all his chips into like a toolbox and takes it with him
1: and they're all complaining about him oh and it's that Oh, it wouldn't be so bad if it wasn't that incessant whistling. He whistles even louder when he's losing. When
0: he's got nothing, he whistles louder.
1: Hey. He whistles Whistles louder louder
0: when he's got
1: nothing. (laughs) Ding, 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 (laughs) ding, ding. Potter,
0: I think we've got him now.
1: (laughs) So they went to the same people and they're all like, I'm sorry, he took everything I have.
0: Yeah, Father Mulcahy, I really don't have anything else, chaps. We got a new scouting report. Nothing you could say would make a difference. You know that whistling he does?
1: He whistles louder when he's losing.
0: Is that true? Would I lie to you? (laughs) Let's go. And they're leaving. I keep an extra 20 in my boxing glove.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So he got his money. and Everyone keeps an extra 20.
0: (laughs) (laughs) They all got their money back. Um, Charles ends up borrowing 20 each from BJ and Hawkeye. (laughs) <laughs> and he's like, oh, you're going to regret your generosity. I raise you 30.
1: <laughs> and they <laughs> all oh are in. God. And he's like, isn't anyone leaving this hand? <laughs>
0: nope. Pair of sixes. Can anyone or everyone beat that?
1: <laughs> I thought, thought that was funny. Can anyone or everyone? <laughs> which was the or everyone.
0: Yeah. Um, so
1: everyone left that table. And oh, then, fa- oh, because when Father Mulcahy lost um, the first time, uh, Winchester gave him a red chip. I don't know what the colors mean and said here this is for your orphans. Yeah, and I, so when Father Mulcahy won all his money back he gave him back his red chip.
0: Yeah. Here Major from the orphans. From the orphans.
1: <laughs> thank you Father. <laughs> and he took it. <laughs> hey that was a good Winchester. That's <laughs> thank to you. you. Father.
0: Um, I, I can do better. I just need to. <laughs> um, but yeah they were all up Hawkeye and BJ had paid off their debt. Uh, Potter pays back what he lent to Radar, which I
1: adore Radar. how that...
0: It's <laughs> all there, Radar. We're good. And here's Radar.
1: You don't coming. have to count it, Radar. I
0: know, I know sir.
1: And he kept counting. Yeah. Um,
0: but then, you know, they look around. It's Hawkeye, BJ, and Charles left. Oh, the Officers Club sure is a mess. <laughs> who should clean it up?
1: I think it should be an officer.
0: I think you're right. Oh, Charles.
1: Well, you don't think I...
0: Well, you do owe us a favor. We did lend you money. <laughs> I did, didn't I? Uh, <laughs> oh, but my
1: favorite was the ending. What? Tell them about the ending. BJ.
0: Oh, yes. I so love the ending of he, this one. It, BJ it, sent the $200 to Peg... So that she could put the down payment on the lot. And yeah, he's there, it's the post commercial scene. And he's holding this little glass jar of dirt. Yes, Peg, I got it right here. Looks exactly like I remember it. <laughs> yeah, we'll start building the day after I or the day no. I get back. No. Okay. <laughs> the second day. day after I get back.
1: <laughs> it's all ours,
0: Peg. It's all ours
1: Give Aaron and the dog a kiss yes. from me
0: till I see you darling love you Peg
1: oh and it mm. was and he was then mm. he kissed the dirt yeah like he was kissing his wife but that is their future that yeah. little thing of dirt and mm-hmm. I know Chris and Laura are building and you know they have a lot and yeah. I thought oh that would be so cute mm. to just get your lot dirt and keep yeah. it somewhere in sight to remind you that things are This is your future.
0: And, you know, for BJ, I think it had a lot of extra meaning because, you know, in Korea, this was something physical. This was literally...
1: A piece of his land.
0: Yeah, this is where his future was going to literally be. On top of where this dirt came from. This is where his family would be, where he would provide for them, where they would grow old together. I
1: hope he brings that dirt home. And then as... Like they move into their house, pour mm-hmm. it and add the dirt. Yeah, I think that would be so symbolic and cool. Mm-hmm. I know it's gro- a show, grow painting or something. Stop. <laughs> no, I <laughs> I'm, agree. I'm, I'm, it was
0: cool though. Yeah,
1: a very visual person. So, so something like that to me means so much.
0: Mm-hmm. So yeah, it, I I don't know if there was really a B plot here. I mean,
1: well, the Charles and the hot. Uh,
0: yeah, because like yeah, there wasn't. there's was a lot like, of little. There were side things going on, but the main plot seemed to be everybody's short money because they didn't get paid. Right. Because, you know, BJ was going to pay Charles back when he got paid. But he didn't get paid. So he couldn't pay him back. And And
1: Radar didn't get paid, which is why he had money, because Mm -hmm. they paid the enlisted men first. Yeah. Apparently that's the rule, that you have to pay the enlisted men first. Well,
0: it makes complete sense. There would be a revolt.
1: If they paid the officers first? Yeah. Because well,
0: you know, you think about it. But aren't officers company, usually
1: treated better?
0: Yeah, but Cause a, I a company know. is like a pyramid. You have a lot more enlisted men oh, yeah. than you do high ranking officers. I mean, there's only one colonel in Mass. Right,
1: right. And he's not going to pay himself before all his men.
0: That would take up like all the money. Money,
1: right. You're right. You're so,
0: right. I mean, if you did that, there would not be a lot of happy soldiers in that camp so you know just like on uh what is it british sailing ships back in the day and i mean long ago they had grog rum that they would ration out to the men why because those spirits literally kept the sailors happy okay and it you need to keep happy
1: workers work much better than people that are looking for a reason to attack
0: yeah (laughs) so you need to keep enlisted happy. And that's what was going on there, I'm sure. I'm sure that's why it's standard operating procedure. Right. Um, guest stars basically just saw Johnny Hamer as Sergeant Zemo Zale. He was acting as barkeep in the O Club when uh, BJ and Hawkeye went in for a drink. And Hawkeye was refused because he had a $40 bar tab on a $20 <laughs> bar tab limit. Uh, production code was Y118. Writers were Ken Levine and David Isaacs. Director was William Jurgensen and the original air date was December 20th, 1977. Uh, one other thing that I forgot about but just remembered. Um, when BJ is purchasing his lot, Charles makes a comment, oh really? Dad owned some property like that once out on the Cape. Hannesport. Gee, we love to go there. And this large family moved in next door. vu Rich played a perpetual game of Touch football on the na- lawn. Naturally we moved out. <laughs> Who was he talking about? Kennedys? Yes.
1: Really?
0: Yes, that is the illusion here is that it was the Kennedys.
1: Wow. <laughs> because I didn't catch that.
0: Yeah. On Cape Cod, right? So Hyannisport on Cape Cod. The Kennedys were playing always playing yeah, football. Touch football. So yeah, that he's Charles Benton. Winchester is making a direct allusion to the Kennedys moving in next door, and apparently... <laughs> not liking it. <laughs> not liking them there. I love that part. I'm a big Kennedy fan. Though, uh, so. Yeah, I am too. <laughs> it was my dad's
1: Evolute's favorite present. So. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah. All right. All right. Did so. tell... Yeah, production code, everything yeah. next. So. our...
0: Next is how we we say goodbye for the week. Yes. (laughs) I forgot my glass. (laughs) How am I going to clink you? (laughs) I I don't know. I'll have to use this pencil. Okay. Um, So, yeah. Thanks for tuning in. If this is your first uh, episode and you enjoyed it, if you want to listen to more, you can find us on Stisher Radio. Uh, iTunes or your favorite podcast application, just search for Whiskey and Mash. Otherwise, you can head over to our web page narclaninc.com that's N-A-R-C-L-A-N-I-N-C dot com go to the podcast section of the page go to Whiskey and Mash and there, on the page are all the raw MP3s of our podcast to date. I forgot to put up last week so there will, or uh, well two weeks ago there will be a there are times when I forget, and so then there are just two new episodes show up. I apologize Isn't for that. Isn't good
1: at this? We should probably just, like, tape that part. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah well, I
0: could put it on a button and then just play it, but I'm okay with doing it every week. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, you, know, you can download those MP3s or stream them right off of the website. That way, if you don't do the podcast thing, if you just have an MP3 player, you can still get our back podcasts and listen to them. We encourage you to uh, find a way to watch the episodes before or after you listen to this
1: and one of the most important things let us know let us know what we can do better or things that you like don't like you know Mm -hmm. something you'd like to add take away
0: let us know that you're out there you know again narclaninc.com go over to the whiskey and mash portion of the podcast section of the website right there on the page is a email link so that you can email us directly or there's also a Facebook link so you can head over to our Facebook page facebook.com/ whiskey and mash find us there uh, send us a message let us know you're listening.
1: And our true success will be if anyone that worked on <laughs> mash would come and you know do a session with us. we can Skype you in. yeah we would just love to have production um, costumes. You know, cast, crew, crew, anyone, we want to hear what truly happened. It's our dream. Make our dreams come true.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But until uh, next time, I'm Chris.
1: And I'm Gloria.
0: And uh,
1: have a great week.
0: Yeah. See you next time. (laughs) See, I made that work.
1: Yeah, that did work. Yeah, these are two really good episodes. I don't know why I'm looking forward to the next one.
0: Like I say, this was this is my favorite poker game of the whole series. So that uh, maybe just because Charles loses his shirt, <laughs> uh, and he was uh, so smug and cocky about it, I
1: love to see someone that's cocky kind of put in. The- this is what life really is. Mm-hmm, they also like, would like to be the by me. Right? I
0: don't know. <laughs> uh, oh, that's normally me in every poker game. Like, for the first two thirds of it, I'm just bullying my way into chips. And then people catch on and they're like, no, I'm not letting you just buy pots anymore. <laughs> it's like, well, good. You shouldn't have been this entire time because I've been bluffing my way out of all the pots. And then I go out, you know, for a Thanks third. for that
1: advice. I'm going to keep that in mind.
0: Oh, you can. It doesn't make any difference. I don't know why. For years, I played with the same group of poker players,
1: and they didn't. It worked every
0: time. Every time. (laughs) It's like I don't change. You guys know this. We've been playing together for a year.
1: As soon as I was able to count, my dad taught me craps. (laughs) You know where you throw against the (laughs) wall. I I love to do that. And I, from the day I could count, we (laughs) did. (laughs) <laughs> in in
0: high school, when I was in, um, well, I wasn't, there, but I I student directed for. No, I wasn't that one. Guys, Guys and, and dolls. dolls. Oh, Laura and was I played in that crap. one too. And yeah, so then a bunch of us were like, well, we should really understand the game. So
1: you played?
0: No, we didn't oh. play. But well, I didn't play. I don't know about everybody else, but we figured out we we found the rules and it's like, oh, okay, that's kind of weird. <laughs> it is kind of
1: weird, yeah. but it makes sense. Yeah, I think it's fun. Yeah. Enough yeah. well, nope about betting. Have a great bedding. week,
0: everyone. <laughs> have a great week. Bye.